0: Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the talk. Good evening, lovely to be with you tonight. My name is Eve, in case you haven't met me before, I'm the Associate Rector here at St George's, and I am not a runner. Just in case you're wondering, I didn't chat to everyone at, at um, chat time, I don't really run if I can help it, unless I may be late, but then I might just be late, so that's where I am with running. Uh, It was exciting this morning, and it will be exciting next week uh, to have baptisms in our church. This morning we welcomed uh, two children of families in the church into the life of God, the life of the church. Next week we're baptizing like 24 people, loads of people, I know. so, do come uh, next week. And uh, we trust that they uh, will both grow up and know the truth of who God is, of who they are and whose they are. And in baptism, people get wet. That's what we're going to see next week. You need to bring a change of clothes if you're going to be uh, baptized. And there's symbolism of being washed, of putting on the new self, the new wardrobe. Julia's spoken about that in a past uh, sermon about your spiritual wardrobe. And um, we, we wear what is appropriate to our identity in God. It shows who we follow, who is number one in our lives. Now, this is a countercultural and distinctive thing to do in our world at the moment, a world where many define themselves by what they wear, by how much money we make, who we know, who we follow, even if who we follow is actually ourselves. Now, recently in New York City, there was the Met Gala. I don't know if anyone saw this on social media, go, ooh, for the Met Gala. There you go. Look at those outfits. Um, The Met Gala, in case you don't know, is a fundraiser, annual fundraiser for the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York. But what it really serves as is like fashion's biggest night out. And there's always a theme, and everyone, all the celebrities, wear amazing outfits. So you can see they're Stormzy, um, rocking it. Uh, If anyone fancies wearing a cape next week to church, you'd be most welcome. Um, There's um, Lizzo there with her flute that goes with her outfit. Uh, Billie Eilish in a great dress, and um, Blake and Ryan uh, looking very, very dapper. Now, um, fashion occasions uh, like this are aspirational. Um, People look to them both for future fashion trends and also hoping that one day maybe they'll get a ticket to that event. Maybe they might be uh, famous or have the status to be invited and wear that kind of stuff. This is uh, full of outfits that you don't want to get wet or ruined because it shows who you are. Now, there's nothing wrong with expressing ourselves through what we wear, although it's good to know the impact of those consumer decisions on the world and on people. But in our life with God, we step into our eternal life with Him in the here and now. And we start off that journey in baptism. We wear our future hope. And so next week, we'll hear certain words that we share together, and some of us shared them this morning about what it means to follow Christ. It means dying to oneself, to our agenda, and rising to new life with Jesus. We remember when we share our creed, our statement of faith together, that Jesus not only died a sacrificial death to bring forgiveness, but rose to a resurrected new life and it's in the resurrection our theme of these next few weeks that we find our future hope for healing salvation eternal life justice and peace and also in the resurrection of Jesus it's that that brings this hope into our here and now The hope we have as Christians, and that is on offer to the whole world, is the promise of the kingdom of God, which is to say God's rule and reign. God becoming king over the creation he lovingly created, but who turned away from him. Jesus preached this kingdom coming in him in his very self, in his person. That he was launching this rule of reign and reign of peace, justice, holiness, beauty, life in all its fullness. It both had come and was still arriving. And the resurrection of Jesus was the first fruit, like the first fruit on a fruit tree, the down payment of what will be the new heavens and the new earth, the fullness of the kingdom of God, a renewed humanity, a renewed creation, living in right relationship with God, the world put to rights when Jesus returns. And after Jesus ascended to heaven, that we'll celebrate in a few weeks' time, he sent the person of the Holy Spirit, God's personal power and presence who is also described as a down payment, a deposit, a trustworthy deposit of the future world put right into our here and now. Peter, who wrote the passage that we heard earlier from his letter, writes to scattered and persecuted early Christians, reassuring them in their trials, that the hope that they had and that we now have is not a set of ideas or based on a dead philosopher, but a living hope because Jesus is alive. So we heard, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. What we have in Jesus and our trust in him cannot be taken away. The scholar and pastor Tim Keller, who wrote a book, Hope in Times of Fear, that has kind of inspired uh, these few weeks of thinking about the resurrection. He says, The resurrection means not merely that Christians have a hope for the future, but they have a hope that comes from the future. This future hope in baptism in becoming a Christian isn't a ticket to heaven. It's a joining in with Jesus' risen life now into forever. Rather than us getting a ticket to a future event that is yet to start, God has brought the event to us in himself and in the Holy Spirit. We have early access so that we can experience some of the now whilst also having hope for the fulfillment of the future of the not yet, particularly in times of trial. We saw that this morning with their families and the children being baptized, and we will stand with those being dunked next week. We might also have donuts as well, we didn't say that. Um, We were talking earlier in the week. Um, I think it's not copyright to say dunking with donuts is a thing. Uh, So next week, come for donuts at 6 p.m. cafe and then join in with the dunking. Tim Keller says, The Bible's startling message is that when Jesus rose, he brought the future kingdom of God into the present. It is not yet here fully, but it is here substantially. That means materially. And Christians live an impoverished life, less than the fullness of what God invites us to, if they do not realize what is available to them. This is why we spend time each week waiting on the Holy Spirit. This is why we pray and meet in small groups. This is why we spend time with God every day because the future kingdom of God is available in the here and now and it can change things. We can usher in God's rule everywhere we are, wherever we are on our faith journey, however much experience we think we have. So this kingdom of God, we often talk about the now and the not yet. We live in the in-between, and there's some mystery there. Not everything is clear-cut and easy to understand. It's more like living in the next slide. Um, It's more that it's just kind of, this is where we are. Does life ever feel like this? Um, You'd like to go from A to B, and there's sometimes a little bit more of a journey in the middle. So in the kingdom of God, we have knowledge of truth of who Jesus is. God has spoken. But alongside that, we must be humble about our ability to understand the word perfectly. We see now personal change and growth. The Holy Spirit has come into us already. We can have confidence of power over sin but the not yet might mean lapses and failures that we wish wouldn't happen, but they do. We can't always expect quick fixes. We see church change and growth. God can bring renewal and transformation in the local church, but the church is not yet fully sanctified, made holy. Therefore, there will be imperfect congregations and moral failures. We see God transforming society. Christ is even now ruling over history, shaping societies and culture through human participation and gifts. But there will still be wars and rumours of wars, as we see in the New Testament. The not yet means that Christians won't trust any political or social agenda to bring about the full righteousness here on earth that will come when Jesus returns, although we work for that with the Holy Spirit. But what about what we have now? What about when we're going through trials? We're in the in-between. Sometimes it feels like our faith is being tested. Well, we have this inheritance that we can draw on now. Peter says, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith is shown. That doesn't necessarily mean God is sending stuff to test us. It means that In amidst the highs and lows of life, our faith will be proven. A bit like when you leave um, dough to rise to prove. It fills out, it matures. But in the kingdom of God, in the now, we are gifted freedom from certain things. I'm going to mention three of these. Firstly, we are given freedom from fear of guilt and shame. Tim Keller again says, the Father looks at you and he sees a treasure. To the degree you live in consciousness, in experiential awareness, if you like, of that, to that degree you are free from shame for anything in your past. Some of you might have heard this description guilt is about what we've done actions shame is about how we feel about who we are now god has forgiven us made a way for forgiveness of our sins on the cross and he's the only one who has the authority and power to judge us to absolve us of guilt we have the practice in the church the confession of sins And the proclamation again of the absolution of that sin by Christ. And God has also shown us how He feels about us in Jesus, that He loves us, He wants to walk with us. And He's the only one who has shown and proven this trustworthy, perfect love. And he can continue to fill us with this love because he is alive. Giving us no reason to feel ashamed by anyone or anything in this world. In the resurrection, the verdict is given. And many of us will know these words from Paul in Romans. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This gift comes from the future into us now and frees us from shame, from the insecurity and anxiety that drives us to serve the idols of sex and money and power, from the fear of death and judgment day. Now that doesn't mean that God might not prompt us of where we might be messing up or moving away from God's best for us. But he doesn't do this to condemn us The New Testament says God's kindness leads us to repentance, to bring us back to him, to forgiveness and freedom. And that's also something we do in our communities as well, confess our sins to one another, to bring it to God and to receive forgiveness. Last week, Julia talked about St. Paul's testimony of being the most fruitful disciple, being free from guilt and shame, free to follow God no matter the cost. And this is happening um, and has happened for me in my life. I wonder if there are things that God is freeing you from in yours. Um, I grew up, you know, doing all right at school and at university. I was a bit of an achiever, a performer. Um, I now channel that performance in other ways by doing, you know, improv and stuff uh, in my spare time. But um, unrenewed and redeemed, uh, that was... Um, that was often a seeking of approval, of worth from others, even from God. But in Jesus, that is brought um, kind of redeemed in a way, so that it's the best possible version of that. So it's not it's not all sorted, but I'm on a journey to not having to achieve and prove myself to gain worth from others or from God, but to know that God has already achieved what is needed. For me to be known and loved and to thrive and flourish, it turns the performance into play, into participation with God out of thankfulness, out of being loved. Now we need to have rhythms and practices. In our lives that help us remember and grow in this, it doesn't always happen overnight, although we can have those experiences like Ezekiel shared where God really confirms something in us by the Holy Spirit, and it's right to seek those together. If for you it's not a kind of performance thing, but it might be, you know, that you don't know your worth or you're feeling, I don't have much to give, God takes that and transforms it into purpose in Jesus because He. Has loved you so much that he saved you for life in his kingdom. We're free from guilt and shame. Secondly, we have freedom from the fear of death. In the past two years, we've become once more acquainted with our mortality and fragility. Death is devastating, it's sad, and grief is our human response. I don't know how many people have watched Afterlife or just like a bit of Netflix. Anyone like a bit of Netflix? I mean, there's a variety of things on Netflix, but I'm assuming, you know, good programs. Um, Afterlife is a show that is really popular on Netflix. It's about a widower who's lost his wife and is going through uh, grief and the process of rebuilding his life, really. And it's written and performed by Ricky Gervais, who I think is a brilliant comedian. Uh, He's an atheist. And he divides opinion with his kind of quite close-to-the-bone humour. He's a bit marmite But in this show, this is about as raw as he has been, I think, in his writing. And it's connected with a lot of people uh, quite deeply. And there is a lot of truth in this, I think, kind of gospel truth about living in the present, about the value of receiving help, and community, from friends, and the reality of the pace of grief in our lives. But when I watched it, for me, and some of us might disagree, and it's really good to talk about what connects with us uh, in our our culture, what's, what's speaking to people, but for me, it lacked a bit of hope, I suppose, this future hope, both beyond death for his wife in the show there was no redemption or renewal of her suffering, but also for him, he's lost the one thing that gave him meaning. And there's not, apart from, the, actually the, the dog is an amazing companion and, uh, and shows that need for love and companionship. But our resurrection hope in Jesus offers us more than that, and it is available Now. And I'm aware it might not be comfortable to kind of talk about uh, death often. We don't do it very much. Um, and I won't labor the point, but many here will have been impacted by the death of a loved one, maybe a family member, maybe a friend at university, or might struggle with a kind of fear of death or a wondering about it. Following Jesus, and we see it enacted in baptism, means we've already died to ourselves, to our agendas, to what we think is best. And we're free to start our eternal spiritual life with God now, guided by him into good purposes, renewed by the Holy Spirit and free from the fear of death because our ultimate future is secure and death has been defeated by Jesus, the indestructible life. And we have deposit the down payment of the future in his resurrected self. Now, this is easier said than lived out. I want to acknowledge that. But it is many millions of Christians experience, including Tim Keller, who wrote this book that I mentioned, Hope in Times of Fear. He writes about resurrection hope, Uh, coming out of a pandemic and also facing the second cancer diagnosis of his life. And Julia, who spoke last week, shared some of her experience of loss, and many of us will have those today. So this is not glib optimism, just kind of hoping everything will turn out, not really based on anything. It's a solid future hope that anchors us through every season of our lives. And I want to encourage you tonight, if... Uh, if you'd like to have someone come alongside and pray about a particular situation or talk about with a trusted friend and might to rebuild that hope on Jesus and his resurrection and experience some of that by the Holy Spirit now. Finally, we have freedom from authorities or powers and principalities, as they're called in the New Testament in the world. Uh, This is Sia Khaleesi, uh, he's a South African rugby captain who uh, won the 2019 World Cup. Uh, he does run for a living. Uh, he was the first black captain of a South African team. And I heard him speak eloquently at a leadership conference this week about the difference that Jesus and his resurrection has made to his career and his life and his marriage. Now, he operates in the world of international sport. He follows the rules of the game. He works within the industry. But he's also surrendered his life to the will of God. And he's not bound by wealth and fame or the pressure of the sports world. And him and his wife have used their kingdom influence to start a foundation that helps the poorest in their nation. And this is one example Uh, But there are many powers and authorities in our world systems of money, of how we use our bodies, of how humans use power, that we are no longer ultimately bound by. And wherever God has placed you, wherever you're going to be tomorrow, on Wednesday, on Friday, on Tuesday, on Thursday, on Saturday, you can be salt and light as we follow the way of Jesus. You can make the place and the culture that you're in taste better, like the right amount of salt does, to taste and see that the Lord is good. You can shed light on situations, conversations, relationships, offering a different perspective, offering no words at all, just being alongside in difficult times, offering the hope of Jesus being your genuine, authentic self. And in all of this, what really encourages me is that we are not alone as we participate in this kingdom because Jesus, the risen King, prays for us. Only a risen Christ can be interceding for us as is promised in the New Testament, seated at the right hand of the Father, representing us so that our prayers for forgiveness are always accepted And so that all things are working together for our good. So that nothing can separate us from God's love. And that leads to what Peter talks about. Though you have not seen him, for the Christians he was writing to, hadn't seen the physical resurrected Jesus like the other disciples and 500 witnesses had after the resurrection. Even though you do not see him now, you trust, you believe in him, and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And I don't know about you, I do have moments like that. And Ezekiel shared earlier about the youth weekend, it often happens when we actually set time aside, which just keeps reminding me that every day is a time to set time aside, to spend time with God and the Holy Spirit. Um, but to have those times of experiencing the kindness, the faithfulness, the love of God, and letting joy well up inside of us. I've had that as I've ministered alongside others, um, seeing God at work in a community earlier this week of uh, older folk who would come from different churches to be renewed in the Holy Spirit. I've had that with... um, my uh, godson, who was baptized this morning and spending time uh, with the wider family of God being connected to people, seeing what God is doing in other people's lives. I've also experienced that um, in the midst of difficult situations with friends and colleagues in my own life, in church life, praying through situations, in the midst of it all knowing the joy and the hope of God in the Holy Spirit wonder if some of us need to to do that tonight but also make a commitment to continue to do that day by day not just to wait till a Sunday to come and do all of that stuff with God but be doing that day to day and be doing that in our small groups always making time to wait on the spirit to allow him to fill us with an inexpressible and glorious joy So this future hope, our life with God and even baptism isn't a ticket to some sort of heavenly Met Gala, although in Revelation it does talk about some new exciting clothes that look a bit like what Stormzy was wearing uh, in heaven, so who knows what we'll be wearing. But it's a joining in with the risen life of Jesus now. It's not getting a ticket to a future event that is yet to start. God has brought the event to us in himself, in the Holy Spirit. And we have the status and the invite through our inheritance that was won for us in Jesus. We wear our future hope now. We experience hope even in the trials now as our faith is matured, is proven genuine in trusting in him. And we follow a living saviour, king. And it's being united to a risen saviour that justifies us. It's not an abstract heavenly bank account. Our salvation is radically personal and supernatural. So I wonder for us this evening, for those of us who are baptised, maybe some of us are exploring faith or haven't been baptised yet, If you have, and as we witness people doing that next week, do we know this is true for us? Are we spending time with God cultivating the future hope in our here and now? Where do you need hope today? Do we want this for ourselves, for our community, for where we are during the week? Let's live in the now and the not yet of the kingdom Together, because Jesus is alive. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.